Captain Picard, priority one message from Starfleet coming in on secure channel. Am I ready, Roman? Welcome to the Readier Room, the only longest-running, best, and most expensive Star Trek The Next Generation rewatch podcast. Every week we're coming at you semi-live with stories from the set and lore that only the greatest lore masters of the show have ever known. My name is Mitchell Melge, Chief Consultant of Services at Paramount, and with me is my life partner, Brandon Hobbs. How are we today, Brandon? Mitch, I have been better. Yeah? What's wrong? Yeah. Um, well, you know, I thought that we were going to be past those episodes that we would we would introduce with, with kind of like a sigh and a, mm-hmm. uh, well, it wasn't really that good um, yeah, after we completed season one, but uh, we're, we're still knee-deep in them, huh? Knee-deep is a, is a good way to put it, and perhaps um, elbow-deep. Is another is another mm-hmm. way. It's, we are very deep. We it's a deep, deep conundrum. Um, yes, when I put this one on, and I never look at the title or the synopsis when I watch it on Netflix. I just I just hit next, and um, it started up, and very very soon I had that oh moment. Yeah, <laughs> I. Uh... Uh, luckily for me, perhaps for most of my life, I forgot this episode existed. Yeah, I can Although, see why. For some reason, for some reason, it is a a very popular one. What? Yeah, I think a lot of people like it. No way. Yeah, I I, I mean it's uh I think it gets reviewed very well. Well, I know and that I, I don't know. I know that elements, uh, plot points of this episode are revisited mm-hmm. later on, but. And, and popularity would explain that. But man, man, are, are people that dumb? <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Um... Yeah, they are. Yeah, they are that dumb. Uh, he, I, I'm, I'm struggling here um, to, to figure out what's, what's, even, what's even redeemable about this episode. But I guess um, before we get into that, why don't we do our usual? Yes, um... Can't forget our question of the week. The fans, the ensigns, they'll uh, they'll get angry if, yes, we, if yes. we do. Um, so <laughs> they'll revolt. <laughs> this week's question of the week for this week comes from uh, an ensign named Aaron. Aaron asks, "Hey, Mitch, Brandon, ensign Aaron here. First, I want to say thank you. I work a lot of long shifts at the local library, and your podcast helps me get through them without losing my mind." Thank you, Aaron. That's why we make it. Um, My job inspired this question. Do you two read much? What are your favorite books? Thanks, Captains. Oh, that's a that's a good question. You know, a mm-hmm. lot of time people want to ask about TNG or Star Trek, but they never ask about us. Right. Yeah. Right. And you know, he kind of got the title wrong. We're more admirals than captains, but yeah, it's fine. Yeah, it's okay. Um, anyway, now let me answer this. I, so, ever since high school, I've been reading, um, To Catch a Mockingbird, 
every two months. I wow. I finish it and I flip back to the first page and I start it again. It's um it's a kind of mental acuity training, I think. Mm-hmm. Um, in Hollywood, for those who don't know, being able to read a book is a pretty rare feat. Um, so I always want to stay ahead of the game. So I'm always I got my TCAP, TCAM, and uh, I'm going hard on it. It's highly recommended if you like stories of about um, the South, booze, and overt racism. Really? Yes. Really? Yes. Hmm. Have, have you ever read To Kill a Mockingbird? Uh, no, but I have. I have read uh, Ghost Set a Watchman. Really? Yeah. What the hell's that? Uh, well, you see, it's the sequel. They made a sequel. They made a sequel. Um, with with even more overt racism. Really? And you see, that's why I read it. Uh, I, um, I, I know where your interests lie. Yeah, you, you see, uh, apparently it was based on the original script of of To Kill a Mockingbird, and um, you know, I don't I don't really read books unless there's hype behind them, mm-hmm. um, unless there's a big media campaign behind them and they're featured in the news. Um, and then I go read them so that I can you know kind of talk around the water cooler about them. Well, that, that just happened to be one of them. That's the best part about reading books is um, mm-hmm, mm-hmm. showing people that you have read them. Right, right, and it's it's really not about the content either. It's it's definitely just a, um, oh, you know, you watch TV. Well, I, um, I I spend my time in my armchair um, reading fiction. Yeah, I remember. Which which is, I I remember being on set and, you know, every week when we'd be shooting, I'd uh kind of mentioned to michael michael dorn and it's like huh, a bit of a boo radley am i right and he never knew what i was talking about <laughs> and uh towards the end of the show's run he's like who is that and i uh i kept the secret mm-hmm. as one does right. as one must now cultured individuals like brent you know he he was picking up what i was putting down and we got to share several laughs at, at michael's expense right right so, if you're out there, and, you know, I'll give Aaron a shout-out on here, go to your local library, get a book, and uh, increase your social status while you're at it. Mm-hmm. And I have to say, um, you know, it's it's always great to hear that we are helping people, yeah. right? Um, you know, that is that is our job, especially through COVID. It's so important that we are here every week um, kind of talking just talking into the mic um making sounds with our mouths mm. for an hour um so other people don't feel like they're alone indeed indeed um i would rather our viewers you know socialize with us rather than pay attention to any of the world around them mm-hmm. certainly there's you don't need much when you have a couple of uh, podcast hosts um and then bringing things to you non-specifically every week, right? And that's that's kind of why we say the same thing every week, you know, right. to kind of um, keep keep this like air of familiarity going, you know. So because because everything out there is so uncertain. I mean, these are uncertain times, right? But right? When you, we are the rock. Mm-hmm. Mm-hmm. Um, and yeah, it just makes me remember uh, just how important we are, hmm. which is nice. You're right. We are important. Mm-hmm. Huh. Take that, Ensign. 
All right. If you guys at home, you have a question you want us to answer, please send it in to thereadierroom at gmail.com. It's with capital T, capital R, and a capital R. Yeah, I'm starting to think, you know, I heard this from my son, that the capital letters in your email address don't matter. What? I'm not exactly sure. I don't think that's true. I think he's trying to play a prank on us. You know, he is quite the trickster. Mm-hmm. Um, so please, don't take any risks, home ensigns, ensigns at home. Um, put the capital letters in there. We'll get your we'll get your question. Or you can DM us on Twitter. We're at the readier room. And uh, as long as you send something insightful, good, and not an insult to us and waste of our time, we'll probably answer it. So, looking forward to yes. that. Not looking forward to talking about this week's episode of Star Trek The Next Generation. Which oh, is boy. the third of the second season. Um, well, what was it? Elementary, dear Data? Yep, that, that was it. Now, wasn't that quote apocryphal? Like, Sherlock Holmes never said that? I don't think that's true. Well, there were no characters named Data in the Sherlock Holmes series. Oh, yeah, that's true. That's right. <laughs> um yeah silly me i guess so this as the title implies this is the first sherlock holmes episode kind of following on the heels of the uh the film noir episode on the holodeck from mm-hmm. season mm-hmm. one yeah we uh this is our, our first adaptation of our our sherlock fans um fan fiction exactly which we ran up against. I mean, we were just coming off the writer's strike. You know, we didn't really have much going on. So this is what happens. Yes, this this is what happens. This was mm-hmm. a very trying episode to get through. <laughs> um, but <laughs> <laughs> in terms of production or in terms of watching it? The answer is yes. <laughs> so I just want to point out that for all of this episode's flaws in its execution, how it ends, the plot, everything, it starts in the most flawed way, where this episode has the most contrived setup I've ever mm-hmm. seen for Star yes. Trek. Um, it's I'm going to try to run through this from memory to, to see if I can. So, Jordy is in engineering, and he calls for data... He makes an urgent call for Data. Data shows up, and he says, Oh, Jordy, what's the urgent call? And Jordy says, The urgent call is, I'm building a physical model ship. Mm-hmm. And, man, remember how ships used to be made with sails and the wind? Yeah, he says, he says, the proper way to move a ship. Right, which is just very strange. Um, then Data says, I see. And Jordy says, well, Data, you indulged me. Now I'm going to indulge you. And then they run off to the holodeck to go play. <laughs> wait, wait, wait. Did you did you note that, that he called Data down there urgently, which I imagine is kind of a, a faux pas yes. on, on what could be considered a military ship? Now, I assume that Data is incapable of panic, which is the only thing that could make that okay. Mm-hmm. Imagine calling, like... Picard down there, and Jordy's like, Picard, look at my ship that I built. Right, right. And Picard says, Jordy, where's the disaster? What the hell are you doing? Yeah, uh, yeah. No, I mean seriously, it, like, does Jordy just get to abuse that? At some point, he's crying wolf. 
he's the chief engineer now. He can do whatever the hell he wants, including building a, a model ship in the middle of engineering. <laughs> he's become very power hungry. He has. He has. Very, very, very abusive, um, which is uh, maybe some kind of foreshadowing. Ooh. You know? Mm. It remains to be seen. Um, we, we, we get our first glance of, uh, of Ensign Clancy. Yeah. Uh, Tom Clancy's niece. Uh, 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 yep, yep, fan favorite. Um, Anne Ramsey. Fun fact: uh, she 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 never flushed the toilet because she was scared of getting sucked down the drain. So um, that, that that explains why she was only on for uh, what was it, two episodes? Yeah, I mean, it took us. She eventually got kicked off. It took us some time to narrow it down who it was, mm-hmm. and of course, you know, with the the split bathrooms by gender, you and I never ran up against this, but um, well, hugely. Yeah. <laughs> But, um, yeah, we heard about how big that problem was, and uh, once we figured out who it was, she was she was out. Um, yeah, it's okay. She eventually found her footing uh, in the uh, the secret life of the American teenager. So, I know that's your favorite show. It's one of my favorites, definitely. Um, but it was kind of strange how there's just this random speaking part ensign. They they had. Because you think about writing the script and Data talks to somebody in engineering about where Jordy is, who is he possibly mm-hmm. going to ask? But they do have to get um, just some random extra. Right. Yeah. Even weirder though is that she ends up being transferred to she's 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 what a yellow shirt here because she's in engineering, right? Right. She ends up being changed to a red shirt later on, and she's on the bridge like as a helmsman. Maybe she got promoted. And you know her. Is that a promotion? Her entire specialty set changed. <laughs> well, then again, she, I don't don't understand how how you can be this fluid. But sorry, what? Jordy kind of had the opposite trajectory, right? He started as a, I guess, as yeah. a red shirt helmsman, and uh, became chief engineer, which is also a strange um, move. It's a strange move. I don't know. Maybe it's supposed to parallel that. Yeah, th- maybe it's deeper than we give, give it credit for. It could be. Jordy's um, Jordy's life journey mirroring Ensign Clancy's. Right. Well, certainly um, not yeah. the most vexing part of the episode, but um, it's st- <laughs> it just starts off in a weird way. I was com- I completely confounded while watching it because <laughs> no part of this setup makes sense. Why is Jordy building a large model ship inside of engineering instead of his quarters? Why did he call Data right. down urgently? Why, how does this actually connect to the two of them going to play Sherlock Holmes in the holodeck? And then it begged mm-hmm. the question of Jordy knowing what Data wanted to do and saying, I'm going to indulge you this time. It begs the question, how many times has Data asked Jordy to do this only to be rebuffed? <laughs> yeah. Um, it... It, it, this this brings to mind a, a further question um, I had, which is jumping ahead just a little bit, and that's that's why Jordy um, went through all this effort, but did not create an original mystery to begin with. Yeah, that's also interesting. Surely, somebody intelligent like Jordy should know that Data has not only complete access to all the Sherlock Holmes books, but can read them in a nanosecond. Mm-hmm. 
it's just strange. Also strange is Jordy's reaction to um, to Data's proficiency with the books. Um, Data solves the mystery instantly, and Jordy's reaction is just to storm out of the holodeck like a like a child. <laughs> yeah, like, like like yes, yes, like a like a twelve year old girl. Yeah, take, um, taking you know, my fancy dress and going home. Right, despite. Despite him being intimately familiar with the fact that Data can't really, you know, uh, c- contend with these kinds of situations, exactly. um, he he decides to get mad about it. Um, but then they go... very very weird. Yeah. Yeah. Oh, go ahead. I was gonna say very weird, uh, very weird scene where he plays the violin. Uh, yes. Which obviously is 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 not Brent. That's that's a stand-in, um, which is why he's facing the wall the entire time. Hmm. Yeah, Brent uh, um, could, can't couldn't really do much of anything play the violin yeah um, do complex calculations act uh speaking of british accent um which is which is weird because the crew spent you know minutes training their british accents with patrick for this episode right you would think that that would pay off right and um yeah no not 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 great returns on that uh really horrible horrible stuff it's but really bad if um that whole that whole initial scene where where they go into into Sherlock's home for the first time is is really really weird. Sherlock's I, home. I, I that's think. really good. <laughs> <laughs> that's that's amazing. Glad you like that one. Oh yeah, um, it, but it is really weird. Um, and I think it's it's emblematic of the problem with this episode because any scene where data is doing the deductive reasoning thing Mm -hmm, mm -hmm. becomes like a 45 to a minute monologue 45 second to a minute monologue um that is completely uninteresting and it's such a chore to sit through well it's like well as you can see by the footprints these soles were made of rubber and rubber's only worn by people who work in laboratories so this the killer was a laboratory worker and that is what sherlock does that is what sherlock does and sherlock doesn't make very compelling television when you just (laughs) write it out like that Um, (laughs) i guess that's true now it's which i think is the big theme of the episode how boring Mm -hmm. it is and yeah these scenes appearing with such frequency for such a with the length that they have um really really made it boring and earlier you asked you know is this difficult to sit through the production or watching it (laughs) at a production everybody was bored on set during this imagine filming these data deductive reasoning monologues five six seven takes at a time you just Mm -hmm. you just want to take a nap and and we did so the, the the director of this episode what he would do what he had to do was that instead of just you know saying cut um after a, a shot he brought an air horn mm-hmm, to the set mm-hmm. and anytime you know he had to say cut instead he would just blow the air horn and everybody would you know obviously wake the fuck up <laughs> that's right i mean uh, i think eventually we, we became um pretty desensitized to that too um rick was not happy uh with anything that went on uh with the production of this episode um 
I mean, you remember we had, we had to cut down from uh, eight days of filming to seven um, because we 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 blew so much money on the sets. Yeah, um, our 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 eyes were bigger than our wallets in some ways. We had that budget increase from one to two, but uh, that money went. We went through it a lot faster than you'd think. Yeah, yeah. Um, so you know, you couple that with, um, you know, the 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 ever present wheelchair, of course. I mean, he. I think this was the episode that really kind of killed it for him. Mm. Um, and and the the crew being not into it to the extent that they were um, definitely didn't help. <laughs> Well, the thing was, Rick always, he was so um, enamored with the idea of Star Trek, kind of like a kid with his toys. And whenever people on set were not as into it as he was, always had such a negative reaction. Um, yeah, yeah, he would he would throw, you know, these little tantrums. Right. He's like, come on, which... guys, we're, we're, we're a ship here, this crew. You know, we have our captains and our ensigns. And you know the 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 guy holding the boom mic would just be like, "Man, I'm off work at five. I don't." <laughs> yeah. yeah, it's definitely an example of one of those guys who um, who who takes his job too seriously. It's it's like his entire identity, you know. Right. Um. And we, and combining that with Star Trek, not the greatest idea. We've seen just throughout our work conventions, our fans, the ensigns, too many examples of people taking star trek too seriously and the adverse mm -hmm. effects that could have on a on a human being yeah yeah for sure um but before we get away from from the the beginning of this episode um mm. because we're moving through at breakneck speed uh because we don't want to talk about it indeed um i <laughs> i do want to touch upon um the uh the, the the scene because i think this is probably one of the more interesting bts moments Mm. Um, the the scene that was just littered with microaggressions at the at the, at the beginning in, in Sherlock's house. I I barely um, remember this. I mean, I was usually asleep, but right. Well, you know, um, I mean, you 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 probably caught it watching the episode this time, right? Um, so so Data and Jordy go into the hollow deck, and oh, they're right. in um, the, yeah, they're in Sherlock's home. Um, <laughs> God, I keep saying it. Um, <laughs> it's worth saying. So it's 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 a very very odd <laughs> very very odd like set of events because Jordy is made to kind of like performatively sit there and compliment Data's violin playing um he's made to answer the door to a house that is not his own um and Data like shushes him in front of the guests right He clicks his tongue at him He clicks his tongue that's right yes uh, you know, all very, very, um, I don't know. I mean, I hesitate to call it racist, but it's, it's, it's getting there, right? It's very, uh, um, cringe-inducing, is what they would yeah, say. Yeah, I, I did, I did cringe a little bit. Um, and, you know, they, then you have the police officer, uh, bursting into this, this house, um, you know, uh, calling the, 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 the Roma people, um, you know, that, that derogatory word that I, I won't say. Um, yeah, it starts with a J. Mm -hmm. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The J word. Um, the J word. And, um, and then, you know, to top it all off, Data walks out following Jordy, um, and uh, his, his, his line is a derogatory joke about trans folk. Ooh. And um, 
yeah, uh, not a good look and, you know, really could have done better um, is what most people would think, <laughs> right? Um, any reasonable person. But this scene was actually a result of a, uh, a competition between some of the writers who were, you know, just as unhappy as we were with, with the fact that we had to write a Sherlock episode. Um, and they, they were trying to see how much they could get past the studio in terms of, you know, this kind of stuff. And uh, this is what they ended up with. Yeah, 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 yeah. And, I mean, it, it did. Um, after this, there was a, a considerable fall off in terms of interest, at least at least on, on my part, as I was watching the episode. Um, but what most people don't know is the uh, <laughs> the straw that broke the camel's back in this scene um, was going to be a, a bit that involved, you know, a shirtless Watson and um, Holmes's hunting crop. And... That actually didn't run up against our censors for for racism. It ran up against it for sexual content, which was a, a new new path for us to, mm -hmm. to to push the sexual envelope. Yeah, um, and surprising considering that. I mean, surprising that it got cut considering the the stuff we did early on in season one. Indeed, um, um, but when you, the thing is, they added the interracial element. Right, right, and that that kind of makes it a fetish. Indeed. Plus, it so, was um, more overtly uh, homosexual, homoerotic. And you know, I think that might be it because at least the stuff we did with Wesley was um, kind of under the radar. Right. Well, the Traveler was always of an ambiguous race and gender, so. Right. It makes um, sense. And, and most of that stuff happened off screen anyway, so. True, true, true. So, uh, uh, it's unfortunate, I think, that was... It, it could have been a big connection to Roots, which was big at the time. Mm-hmm, mm -hmm. Oh, uh, yeah, totally. It, it kind of got robbed of the opportunity. Now, granted, it didn't start with out, with, out with those intentions, but um, it would have been a nice little Mistakes in the Miracles moment if... Certainly. The writer's game of, um, you know, offensive scenarios evolved into a really poignant racial moment for the show mm -hmm, mm -hmm. yeah and i mean that um that really could have been what happened if we didn't have to you know write an episode about data role-playing <laughs> i do have to say that um i love 10 forward yeah i mean 10 forward i love it conceptually it did it did feel a little out of place here um because data and jordy were not having drinks while they were there they they just kind of existed inside of 10 forward so that <laughs> dr pulaski could overhear their conversation <laughs> jordy threw a temper tantrum and decided to go to 10 forward he took, and, he took the turbo lift all the way there just kind of <laughs> don't follow me data <laughs> But Jordy, we were there to solve a mystery. <laughs> yeah, um, and you know, I do struggle to relate to the people who vehemently dislike Pulaski because this is the one aspect of the episode that I found at all compelling. Yeah, and that's the idea that you know can can an android solve a mystery? that he has never been presented with. It's that's a good concept and Pulaski seems to exist 
to run against the grain of literally every other principal character on the ship, which yeah. is fine to me. You kind of need that. Um, there's any character that does not neatly fit into the... I don't know how to describe it, but the very fluid working relationship of everybody on the bridge is it seems to be instantly reviled by by the fans <laughs> whether it's Pulaski, I, uh... <laughs> uh wesley crusher um any that one admiral in uh best of both worlds mm-hmm. the... i i i wonder why <laughs> no don't 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 frustrate my friends um. <laughs> um there's there's definitely some kind of mental condition that uh you know, you know one of one of the uh the 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 traits being aversion to any kind of conflict or disruption in uh the the the, the day-to-day right right but i find a lot of that because you you do feel it you instantly feel it when um pulaski is kind of shrugging off data or putting him down it's it's a marked change of tone from their usual Mm -hmm. from the usual camaraderie and that that's what feels good um when the texture of the show is changed or upset or varied in any way like variety yes that's what everybody should want and um it's i just lost my point it's um it has payoff too because the what Pulaski sets up here, she, uh-huh. she, she kind of wins the bet in the end. Oh, she absolutely does, and it's not revisited at all either. No, by the way. But it it it, it makes a larger, um, philosophical, intellectual point about things. Yeah. When yep. a Pulaski's right, b um the antagonist that we haven't gotten to yet, like did thoroughly beat Data. And one of the ways that he beat Data was not in an intellectual battle, but in a philosophical one um, about what it means to be alive. Mm-hmm. And I guess we're going to get into that later. I don't know, but it's it's very interesting. And the show doesn't really make it a point to explore that any of those themes. Yes, yes. Um, I, you know, instead it kind of it barely touches upon once again the same the same themes that were presented for about two minutes in the big goodbye which is you know the the idea of this fake sapience that's created just so it can be destroyed i guess yeah Um, and and like it becoming aware of of that fact but i think that (laughs) the point this episode is trying to make was that uh the moriarty character went beyond that into something more real and and the reason i say that is because picard acquiesces to this he um doesn't have the same view of it that he does of the the how was the big goodbye the big sleep you just said it (laughs) The big goodbye, yeah, the, the big, big goodbye. Of the big goodbye characters, where in that, you know, Lawrence Tierney just stumbles out of the holodeck and fades into non-existence and is basically a joke. Um, Picard shuts down. But, 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 but then then you, then you have the other guy who's, who's kind of like, you know, 
Will will I be able to go home to my wife and kids tonight? Right, but Picard you know? just erases that guy without with no qualms. He's like, you're just so data. so. Originally, originally, in this episode, Picard was going to trick Moriarty into exiting the holodeck, uh, and he would disappear. That's so bad. I'm not, I'm not making this up. That's so, so bad. So this this whatever you're attributing to this episode is not true. Uh, it it just like it, it just wasn't thought out like that. Okay, well, that I I that's so disappointingly <laughs> bad writing. To could, uh, let me let me elaborate on my point, which is apparently um, wishful thinking, but right, yeah. The idea is that okay, Picard, I'm going to save this program, and then once technology develops, we'll be able to. Um, you know, better help you out. That is tacitly Picard acknowledging Mor- Moriarty's right. life um, and saying mm-hmm. that, you know, you're not just data that the computer created. You you have more worth. Um, mm-hmm. And, you know, Picard being the, the character that he is, he would, once he feels that way, he would intrinsically respect that. Right. And and he does. I, and that's... I, I that's think... That's the whole mm-hmm. point of the episode. That's the whole crux of it. It's just ridiculous. Um, the whole... It's like, okay, this character was created to, to go up against Data. Data's been constantly trying to prove his humanity. Pulaski, inside of this episode, is already calling Data's humanity into question. She's... if Oh, if you were a human, you could solve a novel mystery, but you're not, so you can't. And then Jordy says, make a, a antagonist that can defeat Data. And what does this antagonist do? He goes and proves his humanity to everybody aboard the Enterprise. Something Data could not do. That's the whole point. And to hear that originally, this was just not going to to be communicated is ridiculous. That I'm I'm See, like angry right now. <laughs> I think I think you you have the freedom to interpret it in that way, and that does make it more palatable for sure. Um, however, was the only good part of the episode. I would argue, I mean, with with this with this information in mind, I would argue that uh, the theme of the episode shifted horribly from one to another that was completely unrelated, um, and neither of them was explored the way that they should have been. All right, well, and, what's this other theme? Well, so so we're looking at data proving his humanity, mm-hmm. and the idea of this plot device that was created. Uh, for the sake of this this theme of data proving his humanity, um, gaining sapience, right? Um, Which to me is that's exactly what I'm saying, though. Right, right, right. But I don't think I don't think I don't think they were written to interact with each other in that way. To, I don't. I think it fits so perfectly, though. I I like I'm I'm open to to being told, you know. You're seeing something that's not there. But this is such a logical progression of those events that but, <clears throat> it's hard to imagine this episode playing out any other way. The issue is, I mean, there's so many places where Data is um, prompted, I guess, in in various episodes to kind of prove how human he is in one way or another. And in this episode, it's presented as, you know, can you solve a problem 
that you haven't already been presented with in, you know, the material you've read, right? right. Uh, and the Moriarty character does nothing to interact with that particular parameter. It just it it just becomes self-aware, independent of that whole that whole kind of plot. Well, and, and we lose data. Data's struggle with that completely. Well, here's the thing, though. I don't think that's true because I I believe that the problem that the Moriarty entity creates of gaining control of the ship, of um, you know. Being the threat that it is, is the scenario that Data was challenged to solve. And what Data ends up doing is leaving and going to get backup, and it's ultimately Picard mm -hmm. who defuses the situation. And there's even um, a scene where Data just says to Moriarty, it's like, I've lost this, this game, you've won, um... I'm unable to wrestle control the ship back from you. Please uh, give it up, having won. And, you know, you might interpret that as just some kind of trickery to defuse the situation, but really, it's it's exactly what's happening. And that's why I think that um, all of these things connect together as much as they do. I don't think that the idea of Data solving a novel scenario that he didn't read in a novel, you know, is um, abandoned. I think that reaches its logical conclusion with the introduction of Picard to save the day. I don't think it does because the conflict, the conflict switches from solving a mystery to um, wrestling control. I mean, it stops being a mystery. Like you said, they have to wrestle control away from this Moriarty character um, in, in, I mean, such, such, a, such a direct way that i mean yes data failed but like data also failed in in like outside of the parameters of of the challenge i think hmm. it just it it seems like to me i just have no confidence at all that they were meant to be related and i think it's uh well it's it's well enough that you interpret it that way and it makes it better i mean for sure it's certainly a charitable reading, and I mean, you know the writers as well as I do, that uh, to say that they completely missed and these things are coincidental is well within the realm of possibility. <laughs> yeah, uh, so I mean, I, I think it just comes down to, you know, almost a, a meta-interpretation of, of what's going on here. Well, I'm just but... going to say that taking my interpretation, um, I think this episode did something really good. Taking your interpretation, I think this episode has absolutely zero redeeming qualities. Mm -hmm. And uh, and uh, well, I mean, it's like look at the rest of the episode. That's true. <laughs> you know what I mean? <laughs> it would it would fit. Yes. So I, I'm kind of a little dispirited following this discussion. <laughs> Do you want to just stop now? <laughs> kind of. Um, <laughs> it's. I, while I was watching this, um, and it was getting towards the end, and what I thought, the themes that I thought I was seeing were were ostensibly happening, I was kind of like nodding along, like, oh yeah, yeah, I get it. This is pretty good, and mm -hmm. um, that justified the past terrible thirty minutes. Right. And now I just feel like I I was robbed of my time entirely. 
Mm-hmm. Well, that usually is par for the course with Star Trek. And you know what? You know what? It's so dumb because now I get it. At the end, when um, Picard says, oh, we'll save your your program and try to help you in the future. That's not to to serve any thematic purpose. It's just so they can have an excuse to bring Moriarty back, which we did. And... Yeah, well, I mean, it's uh, it's surprising it took that long, considering, um, you know, the 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 plans for the character or the right. supposed plans, right? Yeah, because initially, uh, he was supposed to be more of a Q figure, like the big bad, evil antagonist to to span the series mm-hmm. run, um, which could have been neat because as he sh- as he showed in this episode, he's more than mentally equipped to go up against the uh, the Enterprise crew. But as it turns out, apparently, every time you say the word Moriarty, you owe the, the Doyle estate some amount of money. I think it was like $31 per, per instance at the time. Whatever mm-hmm. inflation mm-hmm. would be now. But um, that was just a bit too much for us. Patrick had the idea of just, you know, call, was it the evil M instead of saying <laughs> Moriarty? It's like, oh, no, it's the evil M again. But uh, that idea never really made it out of the writer's room. Yeah, uh, it's a shame. I mean, we already ran into trouble with this episode because, you know, like like I, I was talking about earlier, we, we had some budget issues, so we didn't pay the estate anything for this one. Right. And, you uh, know, why should we? True, true. I mean, really, um, if, if we want to discuss copyright laws, that's definitely a discussion we can have on the Patreon. But, um, you know, we didn't really want to run afoul of them for too long or too many times. Um, that would have just been a legal battle we didn't need to have. Eventually, they would care enough to you know, cross the pond, as it were, and uh, mm-hmm. come at us. Right. Yeah. Yeah, definitely. Um, so, you know, why don't we talk a little bit more about, um, I guess, Moriarty as a character here? Because, God. Um, I think he's great. I love it. I, yeah, I he's, he's good. He's good. He's good. Um is he it's it's niles from the nanny right um, right <laughs> which was going to be like five years after this of course um <laughs> the nanny which it's, 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 <laughs> it's a little odd to watch with with that uh with that knowledge now yeah, but... it's, it's hard to think of the nanny as anything but an extended holodeck uh production <laughs> um yeah he did a good job it bothers me that that it was written so that he would see the holodeck uh, thing apparatus before Jordy even said anything. Yes, yes, it was. That whole thing was a little strange because eventually you start, you know, you realize okay, the computer made this guy specifically. Although you're right, yeah. that, I think that was before Jordy gave that command. Yes. So yeah, then why it, didn't... Jordy the Dark Man. Why didn't everybody see it? Yeah. Uh, I don't know, but... Putting that it's... logical inconsistency aside, um, the portrayal of the character as... an... A not outright malicious intellectual force was pretty compelling. Um, yeah, he's good. He's, he's not comically evil or anything. Right. He He really only... He's not really defeated. He just kind of acquiesces. He chooses to give yeah. up. And um, yeah. 
that's a sign of a, a much larger threat than something that the characters just you know defeat or trick or whatever mm-hmm. yeah i have to agree i liked him too yeah. Um, so I, I guess I guess there was one good thing about this being a holodeck episode. Um, not not that this couldn't have been anything other than than Moriarty, of course. Could have been any other character. Uh, did you um did you catch it in this episode? Did you notice it? Notice what? Um, one character being amazed at how the holodeck works. Oh, who was it? That was Pulaski this time are you kidding me no. no i guess i didn't catch it i must have fallen asleep she's well understandable but she goes on to the holodeck with uh Jordy and data and they have to explain how the holodeck works and she says <laughs> wow <laughs> i don't get it i do not understand why they have to do this every time um but thank you thank you i i will add that to my running tally um i really want to rewatch so, the uh the barclay um addiction holodeck addiction episode yes and see, yes, and see if anybody remarks fun. on it there yeah someone's going to for sure that's gonna be a fun one uh so something that bothered me was this the okay so so moriarty draws a picture and you know where i'm going with this moriarty draws a picture of the enterprise yes on a piece of paper um and then data and Jordy leave the holodeck and um, I just want to say, imagine going to your captain about the bad guy in, like, your role-playing fanfic <laughs> taking over the ship. <laughs> That's got to be kind of embarrassing. Um, but we find that the paper still exists. Yes. It, which is, of course, not consistent with anything we know about the holodeck. No. Which, um, no. I thought no. you, you were going to remark that uh, Jordy was looking at the the drawing upside, upside down. down. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> maybe maybe his visor accounts for that. <laughs> oh my god! Um, you like that one, huh? I did. Jesus Christ! Um, yeah, it's it's ridiculous. Um, but that that scene was good i think when data has this very marked change in his robot mood where he's role-playing with moriarty then he sees the picture and just instantly shuts down and and, and leaves the holodeck and walks out it, it feels like a, a palpable moment of um fear and tension which is nice yeah sure sure yeah 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 i mean that that's that's i i can agree with that um they they call a meeting and there's a lot of things going on here. Um, you know, after Data informs Picard of what's going on, so Jordy and I I have probably about six things written down. Oh, please, Jordy, please. <laughs> Jordy recounts what he told the computer and he says, um, you know, a, a an adversary capable of defeating Data, and he has like this this revelation. Mm. Um, as if he should have known that that saying that would have created uh, <laughs> a holodeck entity that could interact with the real world. Yeah, that doesn't quite logically flow, does it? <laughs> um, so I found that really odd. 
Picard speaks French. Gotta get that in there. Yep. Uh, which I, I thought was going to be abandoned by now, but nope, not yet. Eventually. Um, why is there a mortality failsafe in the holodeck? As in, like, why would you ever not want it? Right. Why, why would you ever want to die? <laughs> well, <laughs> we can talk about that later. <laughs> um and then we have an amazing line from marina and i forget what she says i just wrote amazing line from marina (laughs) yes i remember this because it just comes from nowhere and Mm -hmm. it's not quite on the level of, of of um troy saying the most obvious thing but it is also not very insightful yeah and it's it's delivered so stiffly yeah. Uh, it's it's almost like it wasn't even supposed to be there. It's like you know we we had to get we had to give a Troy a single line this episode somehow, um, which is weird because they we've been fine with having episodes without Marina. <laughs> right, right, right. Uh, I don't know. Maybe she complained or something. Who knows? I, I, Captain, I feel something but, from the holodeck. Yeah, yeah. It's like oh no shit, really. Um, yeah, and then and then the room. Troy. The room shakes, um, and y- you know you'll notice that the 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 room shaking effect looks surprisingly real, mm. um, and of course that's because you know it it was um, the, some of the audience. I don't know how many non zoomers we have uh, in our audience, but you might remember the earthquake of '88, right? And um, you know Rob, he 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 was he was an artist through and through, of course, and uh, he had the crew filmed just right through it, and um, this actually inspired. Moriarty's ability to uh, to rattle the ship around this episode, um, so that would happen a few more times. Um, those were not real. That no. was just we editing could, tricks. We couldn't conjure up an earthquake at. We we, we couldn't replicate the earthquake. No, um, um, I remember that day because I had a special job on set. I had to hold the director's chair to keep it from you know sliding around during the earthquake. Right, right. So I was very, oh, that, very. That must have been tough. I was very close to the director. <laughs> oh. How did he? How did he smell? Uh, not unlike roses, but not like mm-hmm. roses either. Yeah, yeah, that is what they used to say about him. Mm. Not unlike roses. Not a, <laughs> Rob Bowman. Not unlike, unlike roses. Um, how does this episode end? So Moriarty gives up the ghost. They save him in the files. Yep. And then they just resolve to wait for the victory to come. Yeah. Oh wait, there is a scene where Jordy's rebuilding his model ship, and Picard enters. Yes, yeah, he's he damaged the ship with, um, Moriarty damaged the the model ship with his shaking of the Enterprise, but the ship seems to be pretty much intact somehow. Yes, it's exactly the same as we saw it before, and Picard doesn't think to question why Jordy is taking up space in in volatile engineering to build a, a frivolity <laughs> um yeah it, it kind of ends on i don't know kind of a wet fart really there's there's nothing really going on at the end of this episode no there what well, could have been an insightful um recapitulation of what it means to be cognizant and human and whatever uh, maybe Data having some reflection on the differences between him and Moriarty. Uh, mm-hmm. Instead, Jordy was the main character of this episode. 
What? I guess. <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Um, Bizarre. Despite really doing nothing. And don't you think they would have fixed the holodeck um, after the last time this happened to, like, not do this? Didn't they? Did per they not fix it? They did. Personally, I blame the Binars. Right. It was the Binars. The Binars really, really need to get their shit together. It's... The holodeck at this point, like many things in Star Trek, up to and including uh, the Doctors, is just magic at this point. Yeah. Yeah, and that's that's another reason I, I really just dislike this episode. The the logical the the illogical aspects of the holodeck. Yeah, the leaps you have to make to right to kind to, of accept to, this. Be able to. Mm -hmm. Oh, hold on. There's something really great. You wrote down six things about that boardroom scene. I just remembered the seventh one. That's really, really good. Um, okay. <laughs> so they're talking about ways to deal with Moriarty. And Jordy pipes up and he says, Well, I can go and reconfigure the antimatter <laughs> matter chamber to create a beam that will instantly dissolve any energy in, uh, mm -hmm. in the holodeck. And Picard says, Okay, well, let's do that. And he says... Jordy says, oh, it'll also completely destroy human flesh. <laughs> <laughs> if you knew that, why suggest it? <laughs> yeah, uh, I'm, I'm surprised I didn't write that down myself because I was kind of beside myself with that. <laughs> it's unreal. I don't know if the plan was to to uh, raid Moriarty's office and and get uh, get Pulaski back before doing that or what. Because like, um, that, that might have worked. It's the equivalent of bringing in a Ghostbusters gun. It's like it's bringing it around, just shooting this beam everywhere. Moriarty gets sucked up. You're like, no! <laughs> uh, it it would have been fitting for this episode, that's for sure. That would have been a more thematically appropriate ending after the discussion we had earlier. Probably, yes. Probably. And, yeah, I think that's just about it for this episode. Yeah. Um, kind of even more frustrated with it after the the death of my thematic aspirations that I yeah. had. Um, at that at this point, it it had a fine antagonist, and that's about it. Everything else just did yep. not work. Mhm, mm mhm. Mm yeah, I agree with that. Good antagonist. I mean, I don't remember the follow up episodes, so I can't even say whether this is worth watching or not. To establish uh, the, the leader of yeah. the of Moriarty, yeah. Right. Who knows? Who knows? Um, but we get to see Picard, you know, extend his top hat. And, uh, <laughs> like, a, like, a, like a gentle sir? Like a gentle sir. He goes in holding gloves but not wearing them. Right, right, yeah. Add that to my, uh, my, my photo collection that I post on Twitter and say, why do I love older men so much? It's a it's it's a good follow that account, mm -hmm. your account. Yes, thank you, thank you. You're right. So, um, um, do you know? Uh, do you know what? <laughs> you know what type of women I like. Okay, what type of women do you like? Elementary, dear dear Brandon. <laughs> uh -huh. hmm. Wow. <laughs> couldn't keep that one in yeah um oh sh i had one more thing to say and now i forgot what it was was it a joke oh well 
no so it's not important I think I think that's yeah I think that's it. Uh, definitely do not watch this episode. If you have already watched it, I'm sorry. Please unwatch it. Yeah, try to scrub it from your mind, your memory banks. And uh, yeah, I don't even have a question for you. Okay. I hated this episode so much. All right. So. Well, let's see if I can uh, make a question for you, as I'm want right. to do in times like this. Okay. Um, what is Moriarty's first name. Jacob. I believe it's Colin. Anyway, that will be <laughs> um, that will be our show for this week. Um, be sure to join us next week, where for once we'll talk about Star Trek. And until then, everybody, please stay ready. The troublesome little child. Consider that in the history of many worlds, there have always been disposable creatures. Beginning, 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 beginning.